Greetings, listeners. Meg, I said that for you. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of Reimagining Roswell. This is our fourth episode. I am one of your hosts, Liz Prue, joined by my amazing co-host, Meg Bonnie. Hello, hello. And this is our first podcast back in a while. Um, we just been busy and there's more news about the show now and the show is officially starting filming August 15th, 13th, something like that. 13th. Um, but yeah, this is our fourth episode and this one, we are going to recap the Aisha Tyler in conversation with Karina McKenzie, Roswell showrunner and two star leads, Jenny Mason and Nathan Parsons. Hashtag swoon. I just feel like all of them, but yeah. But he just like, I feel like we have to be like, Nathan Parsons. You can't, you have to say it a little breathy. I feel like then he just needs to be a breathy Nathan Parsons. Like a whisper on the winds, like a cowboy in the distance. Yes. It's like you're thirsty and dehydrated and you don't know what you're seeing on the horizon. Is it the sun setting or is it Nathan mother Parsons? Parsons? Yeah, I think he, he does make everyone thirsty. But um bah. No. Anyone? Is this thing on? <laughs> She's already had wine, so I'm really proud of her and it's working. It's it's kicking in. Okay, so can we just go on record to say that that event at San Diego Comic Con twenty eighteen was like one of the coolest things that we did. It was a big crazy weekend. But getting to go there to the brewery, the brewery was awesome. And then getting to listen to them talk about the show and Aisha Tyler, I just like everything she said, I wanted to stand up on my chair and start screaming, but it had to be professional. (laughs) I know. And I had one of my girlfriends who saw I was there. She asked me afterwards, is Aisha Tyler really that cool? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, she is because she, and then some of the attendees were saying that because this was for the record, like an off SDCC event, like it wasn't an official one. Aisha is super besties with Karina, I guess. And she just like did this for her and, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the attendees said that Aisha like paid for all the beer because she's just awesome. Um, I made eye contact with her, and I still haven't, like, physically recovered. She follows you on Twitter. I know. Don't tell her. She's like, wait, that was a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, right. Get out of here. (laughs) She's just so cool. It was a great event, and it was super, uh, like, you felt like you were actually having a conversation. Like, it wasn't a typical panel, you know? It was, like, very intimate even though there were a lot of people there because there's like a huge interest. And I think, um, was it Stephen Amell had tweeted like something like over a hundred, I was like a hundred thousand or maybe I'm making that number up people, like a ton of people were interested in it and they only had the 75 slots. Maybe a hundred thousand was wrong. Maybe it's the wine talking and my enthusiasm for the show in general. Whatever. (laughs) I'll take it. it. Yeah. It was like a crazy amount of people were interested in going. Um, and yet it, it's still, you know, everyone was so excited. You could just feel like this energy and everyone was like cheering after every sentence that anyone spoke. So, but it still felt like we we're all just kind of having a hang with some beer. It was nice. It delivered on what they wanted the event to be hundred percent. Absolutely. I completely agree. And it actually, we thought we knew a lot about what the show was going to be about and what they were going to tackle, but it was just so much more in like on a, in a good way. Like I'm, I'm so much more excited. I mean, we already had a podcast before they filmed the F and pilot, but like, that's how excited we were. But now I'm just like, I extra can't wait. I was already pumped to see what Karina was going to do, but listening to them speak about it with like such conviction, like what they were going to try to get across. And even just like the non, you know, political side of it, just the love story. Like I'm so excited having gone there. I couldn't say what you said any better. It, uh, I mean, let's just dive in and recap it. I mean, the first, well, kind of like, so chronologically, we'll walk you through, walk you through the whole conversation because it evolved in such a natural way. I feel like that's the only way we can recap it. You know, it kept like layering onto deeper topics, but it wasn't a 
you know, sometimes when you dive into those deeper topics about, uh, I don't know, metaphors relating to the current political climate and things like that, it can be a bit of a, take like a morbid turn and things can go really badly, but it only amplified how excited we should all be for the show, which is, you know, that's super, that's a really fine line. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, so Julie Pleck told Karina Adley McKenzie, who is the, um, showrunner, of course, and should I call her Karina McKenzie? Her Twitter handle's Adley McKenzie, so I feel like I always call her by her full name. You know, I, I feel like she's one of those people who deserves the full name treatment, but I guess we could just go Karina. I mean, our good friend Aisha Tyler called her Karina, so. Right, right. I feel like we got. Karina hugged us, so we're tight, yes. you know? She, it was a real hug. I'm pretty sure she called me a bitch, which makes me love her even more. Yes. Or it was in my head. If it was in my head, Karina, <laughs> you can call me that next time I see you. You next time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved how Karina said that her mentor and uh, another awesome, fierce female, Julie Pleck, told her um, when she pitched the show, pitched meaning she has a contract with CW, and they said, pitch us Roswell, which was one of their like, I guess it's kind of like a venture capital incubator, and they have all these ideas, and sometimes they bring a CEO in. And that's what Karina is, is what I equate it to. Um, Man, you just put on that business hat, didn't you? I got all businessy. I know, sorry. <laughs> that's my boring <laughs> real job. I work with startups in those types of situations. So, yeah. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, so Pleck told Karina, pitch the show you want to do. And Karina said, I want grownups and cowboys. It's the most me version of the show. And... I know, Meg, we have a lot of thoughts on this, and I want to hear your thoughts on why that is so fucking important for a showrunner to have that mindset going into a new show. Well, I think the biggest thing is if you're not passionate about something you're making, like whether it's TV or, you know, whatever, venture capitalism, like it's going to suck. So if you're making something for other people to consume and you aren't behind it, no one's going to care. But because it's a show that you can already tell she's so passionate about because it's the show she wanted to make. It's they're aged up. It has the intrigue, the aliens and cowboys and Nathan Parsons. Nathan Parsons. Parsons. Um, <laughs> You're so amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's wait, that's our first Moana reference. I know. It it took us a while. I feel like <laughs> we need to get a ticker for every time we reference Moana because she's also so amazing. So amazing. <laughs> But yeah, I think it, I think it's so much more important if if you're behind your work, that's going to show through your work. So her pitching the show that she wanted to do instead of the show that she knew they wanted her to do, which would have been probably, I think she said like you know teenagers in high school having sex, which was kind of like the jam back in those times when Roswell first came out, like mm -hmm. teenager shows, even like Vampire Diaries was kind of a high school teenager situation for a while obviously to vault oh yeah past that, but um I think that's what she thought they wanted to hear and Julie Peck was like now nah, girl go in there tell them what you, the show you want to make and Karina did not expect them to be like hells yeah but they were they were on board and I think because she has that freedom and the creative ability to do exactly what she set out to do and they were like fuck it yeah do it I think it's going to be awesome I think it's it's much more of her vision and that coming through, I, I think we're all going to be better for it. Totally. And let's break down what that vision is, right? So she, Karina had said, you know, the scaffolding um, is a murder mystery in a love story. And she said, it's fun, juicy, dark, and we don't mean the wine. I think that's when the rosé kicked in. Um, but I appreciated that metaphor. <laughs> uh, I love that she said, um, you know, it's, we're asking smart questions. We're not preaching our own political standpoint. We're just trying to ask questions that, you know, humanize and alienize issues. And there really is a cultural urgency to the show. And, you know, Karina mentioned they want to do that with the different scenes they're doing. They're being edgy. They're pushing boundaries. Um, and the themes are very, very relevant to what's going on in the world today. I also think it's important to note that she mentioned She's drawing on a lot of her own experiences 
And for a lot of people that are fans of her, you may not know that um, she grew up in an Islamic household. And, you know, having blonde hair and blue eyes, society had kind of, especially after 9-11, right? She's what, probably, she's around our age, right? Early 30s, which is why the characters are set to be around the same age. You know, it's post-high school. And with 9-11 happening when, I think I was in eighth grade. Um, Meg, were you, you're, wait, you're only like a, a couple years older than me, right? No, I was in, you weren't in eighth grade. Because I was in, I was like a senior in high school. No, no was I, I, I was, was in eighth grade. grade. You're just a baby. I'm just a little babe. But I mean, you know, you yeah. remember that so vividly. And imagine being Muslim when that happened. So I think it's important and it's good to know that she's drawing from those personal experiences when she writes about these aliens, pun intended, in the show and the need to blend in. Um, this right. is getting... She, yeah, she spoke about that, about how that was those castings of the actual aliens, the characters, being that, you know, quote-unquote idealistic, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, with this, like, secret, because that's how she felt, like you said, after 9-11, that she looked, she said she looked the part of what, you know, she, you know, modern America wants everyone to look like, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and... Um, but she she knew she had what she called this like dark secret, and she kind of equated that to how the aliens feel about you know hiding their true selves, even though they look like everyone wants them to look like the the ideal you know image as people try to spew at you. And she she kind of made that an important casting decision for the three leads, the not three leads I guess the three aliens mm-hmm. to be blonde hair, blue eyed. And I thought that was really cool, and it's. It draws on like so many things, and you think all the way back to like the Nazi kind of stuff. Like that was considered, that's how you're supposed to look, and that's perfection. And she, I just think it's really cool that she tied all of that in to her experiences growing up Muslim, and but still, as she said, fitting the part. And then wanted to carry that over into the three aliens, who, you know, Nathan Parsons doesn't look like he doesn't belong on this planet. He looks godly and all that, but you know what I mean? Like he. He has this in the show that his character, Max, has the secret, but no one would look at him and be like, oh, yeah, you versus like people who get stereotyped based on their looks. So I think that was a really cool thing. And she talked a little bit about that. And it's just such an interesting thing. And like not if you had just watched the show without knowing that you might not have caught that. But like having this event, she got to really speak about that. It was really cool. Totally. And it makes the show even more relatable. You know, I mean, we were talking about afterwards in the Uber on the way back to our Airbnb, we were saying, you know, we, we have our own nationalities, right? And, you know, maybe some of us are second or third generation, but like me, my dad is Mexican and Czechoslovakian. His grandpa was from Mexico. He grew up in a super small town in northern indiana where there was not a hispanic community and they didn't speak spanish in the home growing up because it wasn't encouraged or really embraced you know and i think there's that there's that whole issue of kind of uh people maybe weren't racist you know but didn't or didn't think they were racist but they really were you know so they really couldn't embrace their heritage and that really started to bother my grandma as we got older and she recognized that none of her children spoke Spanish. So we started to resonate with, you know, that nationality as we got older. But then, you know, I went to college and I tried to apply to be in the Latino Student Association and I didn't speak Spanish, so I couldn't be in it. So it kind of creates this whole like middle America of, yeah, it's great. We're all this big melting pot, but we're all so suppressed into being a certain way, you know, on on an extreme way, like with Karina having, I couldn't imagine being a Muslim at the time around 9-11 and being in high school to, you know, less extreme ways, like someone like me growing up with a dad who looks like he is that does not speak Spanish, does not have a lot of his heritage, you know, incorporated into his being or every day. But regardless, that still 
that theme can make this show super relatable to a wider audience because we all have those experiences. Like you're, you were saying, it's kind of the same thing with you and your Italian heritage, right? Yeah. So the town that I live in, like being an Italian American, you know, like second generation is a big deal. And there's a ton of that in, and this is like pre Jersey Shore, mind you. Um, I'm like, that don't, shit only got worse after Jersey Shore. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, oh no. Um, but like, I, I look very Italian, but I'm, I'm not like, I don't speak Italian. I don't know anything about my Italian side. Um, I have since discovered a little more about it. Thank you, Ancestry.com. Um, but I was never Italian enough for the, you know, the Italian kids. Mm-hmm. But I always, you know, got kind of thrown into that group in high school and just growing up because I have really dark hair and I like, you know, have just that kind of look. I look Italian. There's really no denying that. But I was never Italian-American enough for the Italian-American kids in school because, you know, their grandmas all spoke Italian. Well, I don't really know anything about my real dad's side, so I couldn't jump on that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the kids, the other kids were like, well, you know, you've got the Italians. Like, well, I, 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 but I don't. <laughs> like, I just, well, it I isolates you. Like, yeah, I didn't really fit into any of those we have like a super huge like European, you know, we live right on the lake. It's just something about Wisconsin on the lake, which are these little like Italian communities. And it's great. It's, you know, awesome food and great culture. But like, I never really, I was never Italian enough for that bucket. And I was always thrown into it kind of without my knowledge or consent. And I just never really felt like I belonged there or out of there. And I think that's something that is going to be super relatable in the show too like they're not I guess earthling enough and they're not alien enough because they're on earth and it's just like something even as small as being Italian-American it's relatable like you said 100% and it's all um I think Aisha Tyler said this you know that that fear of being different you know that outsiders will like be manipulative and destroy us it's all manufactured right? Like it's, it's all made up, you know, look at the refugee situation in our country. Um, you know, look at the, the border situation in our country. You know, these are all things that, um, are more extreme lens on what this show is about, but well, or actually maybe not, you know, who knows how deep they'll go into all of that, but it's something that we can all relate to. Uh, and like you said, and I think that's super important. Um, so I, Coincidentally, you had set me up with an interview with one of my now favorite authors, Deborah Harkness, of the All Souls trilogy. Deb, favorite author next to you, of course. Everyone, please go by Everly, available on Amazon. Thanks, Liz. You're welcome. (laughs) Part two out this fall, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, thank you. Um, And... It was interesting. So a quick recap of All Souls Trilogy. So the first book, A Discovery of Witches, is being adapted into, or it has been adapted into a TV series by Sun or Sky One Productions. Will air in the UK this September. Sundance Now TV has picked it up for UK or for US and Canada airing. TBD on air date, but it's happening. And the show is about uh, this woman named Diana. She's a witch in her early 30s. And it's really a massive metaphor for racism, gender discrimination, sexism, but using mythical creatures to tell that story. And in my interview with Deb at San Diego Comic-Con, she talked about how there's this, um, well, how she talked about the ways that, and I quote, people in the past mobilized really fantastical creatures from mermaids on up to angels. And we have this term in the academy where we talk about how they're monsters to think with. And she goes in to describe how, you know, at any time you can kind of take all of these cultural anxieties, like racism or sexism, and you can kind of park it in this fantasy world, right? And you can experiment with it. And it's like too deep for us to think about like, Ooh, and she said, I have complicated feelings about my neighbors who have a totally different ethnicity and it makes me a bad person if I think about it and try to analyze it and I have these totally wrong thoughts. So I'm just going to think about vampires. And she said, you know, this fantastical world 
provides the human psyche somehow with room to like work through all these things. And when she started writing the books, Prop 8 was going on in California. And she said, ironically, at the same time, it was the anniversary of Darwin's origins and the understanding of evolution and how we've evolved as a people, which is like part of my French super fucked up, right? Yeah. So, you know, she said, I wanted to write a book about, you know, our biggest challenges, which were empathy, tolerance, and um, what else did she say? Acceptance. And she didn't want to do it in a preachy way, but she wanted to just tell the story and she used these creatures to do so. So I think it's super awesome that two women, you know, you have Deb and then you have Karina that are using the entertainment outlet to reach an audience on a much deeper level than the, you know, trope that's always worked, which is the love triangle. And, you know, the fact that this, you know, Roswell, New Mexico is on the CW. So they're going to be reaching a very young audience that in today's age is not ignorant to what's going on in the world. You know, thanks to social media, whether you want to be informed about the border situation or immigrants or anything like that, you are because it's in your face. And I just, I'm, I'm actually curious to see how that like 16 to 20 year old uh, demographic will respond to the show you know, and have a a positive impact. I think it'll have, I think if anything, they will be more receptive to it because I don't know if it feels like just being on Twitter in general, those are the people that I see. They have that passion to be outraged. It's everyone else, everyone older, not everyone older, but you just start to be like a numbing off. I don't know if that's a term. I just made it up. If it's dirty, I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's so much more going on. Um, We work, we have house payments, we have all this nonsense. So, like, it's like the older you get, the harder it is to put all of your passion and anger and everything into these issues. But when you're, you know, 18 and you're like, fuck, like, leave my uterus alone. Like, and you have a part-time job and you're in school and you can just, like, really hone in on these issues. And, like, they're on their, their, their social media platforms a little more than all of us are. So I feel like those are the people that should be targeted with this information and these issues on the show. And those are the ones who are going to just suck it up like a mother effing sponge. And I think it's awesome. You're so right. And I, I, I didn't even think about it that way, but you look at how, you know, me, I guess I'm an older genera- older generation from that audience we were just talking about because I didn't grow up, like I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a senior in high school, you know, and the whole like females raise your voices thing didn't really happen until, dare I say, a year or so ago, you know, with me too. So it's, I feel like in entertainment, we're finally being permitted, if you will, the female perspective on things and not just things like relationships, but really important shit, like what themes this show is leaning on, which will be super great. Absolutely. And even if you just follow Karina on Twitter, just like her tweets alone, her take on, you know, the political climate, it's definitely like her side of things. But she did mention that this show isn't going to just like only talk to those people that agree with, you know, her side of things. It's going to kind of examine other people's perspective in in our current political state and try to understand where they're coming from and how they look at these issues and how they look at, you know, not just aliens from outer space, but illegal aliens. Um, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it already in the podcast, I know it's been out before that um, Liz, is, Liz, who is going to be played by Janine Mason, she is, you know, the female lead her parents are in the show are going to be undocumented or at least one of them so that's going to be an issue that's going to be in the show so you have this like aliens in america but like aliens on earth kind of dynamic and seeing how all the characters look where they side on those issues Um, i don't know if we'll get to see like the actual alien stuff right away but i think it's really cool to see how everyone will react to Liz's parents in that that dynamic and then you know obviously the literal 
aliens from outer space. And I, I don't know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see which characters fall into which buckets. Well, and which characters band together, right? You know, I mean, maybe one of these undocumented aliens is, what if they don't accept, I mean, especially if the undocumented alien is the parent of Liz Orteco, who Janine Mason is playing, what if they find out that Nathan is an alien and they're like, no, you're not dating an alien. He's different. Well, you're in the same situation, bud. You know, you're treated differently by a different group of people. So it kind of creates this common ground for people who otherwise wouldn't have it. And we would Um, like to, I'd like to specify before we go on that Nathan Parsons is not an alien, but Max is his character. We keep saying Nathan, (laughs) like that damn alien, Nathan. (laughs) No, I think it's important to say Nathan and we'll, well, let's just, do you want to do Nathan first before we do Janine, since we're talking about it? I mean, okay. Okay. We can always talk about Nathan. We can always talk about Nathan. So the reason we keep saying Nathan versus I didn't what's his name? Max? Max. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Okay, Max. Um, so Max, Max. So the difference between original Max in the first Roswell show on the WB and the new Max is according to I think it was Karina who said this, someone on the panel. There was a purity to like the OG Max. And Nathan makes it broody and dark because it's Nathan Parson. Yeah. You're so amazing. Amazing. Ding. The Moana button. <laughs> and he, he's just like out of character. Like um, he's just kind of a broody fella. I noticed that when he was on the panel. I was like, oh, that's just your voice. You just always sound like you're like about to sex up something. I wasn't like, mad about I, it. I mean, I'm okay with it. Like, do you think, like, when he orders drinks at the bar, they're like, okay. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, I have, a, I have a whiskey, please. Thank you. This is, this is my voice. This is my voice. I love turquoise belt buckles. And I'm going to whisper order for you. Ariat cowboy boots. My husband's actually in the living room staring at me do this. So I, I just, <laughs> Nathan, if you're listening, um, I'm pretty sure Janine and Karina were the only people that listened to this podcast. But I, I just want that to be known. Like, I'm not... Like, you know, I'm doing this in, in front of, you know, my betrothed. So Right. This isn't like your dark secret. It's like a no. your face, Mr. Proof. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like my one and only. only. And I feel like I feel like Nathan Parsons would enjoy that too. Like <laughs> totally. A whisper, a whisper on the wind. And you know, Nathan <laughs> said it was that this was well, it's funny because Karina talked about how she had a hard time casting Max and a couple of the the guys that were going to audition and canceled or something. So she called Nathan in and she initially wanted him to audition for Michael, the like mm-hmm. foster child brother who's played by Michael Lamas, um, who sounds like a character. I, I really need to meet this guy. Um, yes. He, so they were talking about, like you said, they're talking about her calling in Nathan to audition and she was like, you're not, you're not going to get the part. Like just come in and like, fill a seat basically because she didn't they're friends in real life she had said and she didn't see him like besties yeah like this like sexy broody character she's like no that's just nathan like she doesn't whisper his name like we do (laughs) (laughs) that's that's how you know she doesn't whisper. she's like nathan and we were like like, oh my god nathan Nathan and then she was she was talking about how he was originally coming in to read for the character of Michael, and then they started talking about um, the the fellow who is playing Michael, and that he has this like right. It was him that had this like crazy sexual energy on camera, but then in real life, they're like, I don't get it. Like, why are you sexy on camera, but you're not in real life? And like, they're talking about how um, weren't they gonna have a surprise party, and they like tricked him because Nathan was like, Oh, come out, you know, we'll go whatever they were gonna go bowling oh yeah for his birthday he was so excited because he thought like nathan parsons wanted to hang out with him (laughs) oh it was just pretty (laughs) i think it's cute i love it see everyone thinks nathan is like sexy broody except karina (laughs) yeah except karina and it's cool because she said like a lot of the like quote-unquote like typical man stuff nathan was the consultant on you know it seems like the her man stuff 
And he said, you know, it's the most collaborative project that he's ever been a part of. And I think the fact that this is set, you know, in um, Roswell, New Mexico, you know, they're filming in Santa Fe. That seems like it's already kind of Nathan Parsons vibe. So it works. He said. He's, he's like, there's a, a boot store and a belt buckle store and a whiskey store. And he's just like, he is that guy. He's all man. And he's pure man. You don't want to know who the original pure man for me was on TV. Side note. Um, Tyler Hecklin. <gasps> yeah. I just got a look from my husband. Teen Wolf, Derek Hale. Ding, ding, ding. And Superman. He's Superman now. Uh, no, psh, no. Derek motherfucking Hale. That guy can grow a beard like it's no one's business. Jet black. He was all beefy. And then, and you know, he's like a super broody, you know, he's a wolf. And I'm like, yes. And then I interviewed him. I moderated rather at a Comic-Con in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was so excited you know, and Eric was like, you're going to do great because he's the best husband ever. And, you know, I plan on my questions and I go to meet him and he's wearing like Superman glasses, which were great. You know, he had t-shirt on shorts and he was like, Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah. I'm so excited to be here. What do you do? Oh, it sounds awesome. Who'd you come here with? And I'm like, stop being nice and perfect. I need you to be a broody a-hole because that's what I have in my head. Go stand in the woods and like sneer at me, please. Thank yes. You. Not an a-hole, but like be tortured. Yes. He had nothing, he had nothing to fix. Nothing. He was he was such a great guy. What a nice guy. Real nice guy. I love the um randomly placed Tyler Hecklin shout out that our podcast just did. I You're mean welcome. if you need like extra brooding, a little more man stuff. Like, he's not a real-life man stuff, as Liz just said. But well, 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 I will say he's more man stuff, but he's super down. Like, he's someone, you know, where, like, you meet, like, growing up, you would have girlfriends who's, like, dad, maybe, like, way too attractive to be a dad, and he was, like, super nice. Mm-hmm. That's going to be Tyler Hecklin one day. He's great. He's just he – was, he just wasn't the Derek Hale that I thought he was. You know, I, fa- I fall into that – um trap where like you think someone is they are on tv which is really ignorant and stupid but um you know whatever i know it it means he's a good actor exactly so if you need a a werewolf on the show um (laughs) tyler hecklin's your guy (laughs) wait can matt donovan be on the show too can we also just no we're saying it every freaking podcast Matt Donovan needs to come in. Matt Donovan, you're so amazing. As a, you know, like a secret agent, someone that, you know, specializes in supernatural activity. Oh my gosh, wait, can I, can I have an alternate suggestion of casting? Yes. We have Tyler Hecklin and, oh, who plays Matt Donovan? I know his name, but I've had some wine. I'm sorry. Um, I want them to have like this, like paranormal, like tinfoil hat type of crazy, like podcast. I'm like, oh my god, guys, guess what? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Zach Rowick. Yes, Zach Rowick. Just be yeah. like crazy in the corner. But we just gotta gotta chase the the aliens. We're just gonna talk about this this crash, you know, and be like super nerds. I want them to. I want go. Let's go other direction. I want them to be super nerds. And then Michael Trevino comes in because he is also on the show, a.k.a. Tyler from The Vampire Diaries. Wait, pause. Did you see in the trailer? He was like, I think he's making out with Janine Mason's character, Liz. That's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, hold on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. If that's, oh my God, did you hear that? What was that? Those were fireworks and they scared the crap out of me. Isn't it storming where you are? It was storming, and then now it's like, I don't know what's going on. There's Someone's probably... celebrating. <laughs> They're like, the storm's over. Fireworks. America. Welcome to Indiana. Right? No, I love my state. I'm just saying. Um, oh, I actually, I love my state so much. This is a side note. Our whole FN podcast is a side note, but go on. I no, love it's it. not. We bring it full <laughs> circle, okay? We bring it full circle. <laughs> on our way home from San Diego, we're on the plane, mm-hmm. and Eric's sitting behind me, and... So he's, he's like one row behind me, right? And like to the diagonal, like I'm in the aisle, he's on the window. And the people sitting next to him 
they're talking about where she's going next. They clearly knew each other. And she says that she's going to Indianapolis is her final destination. And she's, this is at San Diego airport. And this guy goes, Oh, what do I mean? I mean, Indianapolis. She's like, I know what is there to do in Indianapolis other than go to the Indianapolis 500. And he started saying some stuff. And before he could say anything super serious, Eric, my husband turned to him and said, well, if you want to know other things to do, uh, let me know. That's where I'm from. And they were like, bitch, what? <laughs> they were like, oh, like they were clearly hating on Indianapolis. And I just turned around and smiled. And then I started talking to Eric because coincidentally at the same time, my mom brought Valentina home and there was a mouse in the house. I had to call my neighbor over to exterminate the mouse. It was a whole thing. Anyways, so this girl's like, that's why you don't talk about other cities while you're traveling, like trying to make light of it. And in my head, I'm like, bitch, don't. So I had a thought. I'm like, okay, she's clearly going to be on our connection in Detroit. And I told Eric, I said, this is our opportunity to prove that there are good Hoosiers. Like there are bad people everywhere but we need to embrace the good. And there's something called Hoosier hospitality. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's real. And I was like, I'm going to give her my card and tell her to email me or text me if she wants something cool to do in Indianapolis. So on the connecting flight, coincidentally, she was sat right behind me once again, and she was sitting next to Eric. (laughs) And she's like, were you the guy? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. He's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I gave her my card and I paid it forward. Let me bring it full circle with Roswell. Even if you're from a town that's hating on some aliens, you don't got to conform to that ish. You got to embrace the little bitty sparkle that's in that town. And I'm not talking about the sparkle from the UFO. I'm talking about what's in your heart. What's in your heart. So that's, yeah. You probably hugged her, right? No, no, I definitely did not hug her. No, no. You didn't get up in there? You know post-birth Liz doesn't hug anymore. Well, kind no. of. <laughs> that was, like, the best. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm, like, yeah. No. Yeah, Liz had a baby, and she came back different. Like, when Buffy came back from hell. <laughs> I don't know, heaven. Technically heaven. From heaven. Like, you came yes. back wrong. <laughs> it's the same thing. I came back wrong. Dragon lady. <laughs> but, like, in the best way. We're, like... I don't have to go, oh, I have to, like, say something mean to someone now. I'm just like, hey, Liz, guess what? And you're like, on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't got time for that shit, all right? If you're going to be an asshole, I'm going to put something in yours, pretty much. That's how, you know, motherhood works like that. It takes I love it. Bullshit. You don't have time. You have to, like, care for a human. Speaking of humans, should we talk about Liz? Yeah, she's, she's the... She's the bomb.com, meaning Janine Mason. She said when she read the pilot, the line that immediately convinced her was when Liz is talking to someone that says to her, why are you so defensive? And she said, I'm a Mexican-American woman in 2018. I'm defensive as soon as I get out of bed in the morning. I fucking, I love that line. I Mm -hmm. love that that's what got her. And she, oh my God, like in person, you think like, people are going to suck you have kind of have to like put that in your head so that you don't freak out when they're like the worst mm-hmm. like no one is ever going to be as cool as you think you are they are when you meet them but like every single person on that panel was and especially her like I loved her on Bunheads I think I've talked about that every mm-hmm. single podcast um and she is just like she is so full of energy and like so excited about this show and like I think she was geeking out harder than the fans who went there to see her. So like there were some fans that had dressed up in the diner outfits from the original show. Yes. And she was like bouncing around to get to them. She's like, Oh my God. And she, she's like this tiny little gorgeous woman. And she's just like this huge personality and like so articulate. Not that like, you know, women and artists and things can't be articulate, but like, I don't know. She just blew me away with like, she would just go in this like epic, you know, characterization and like talking about things that happened on the set and it was just like she was like reading me a poem it was just like beautiful she's so classy like she was just so poised and I don't even think professional is the right word she was just a very very classy lovely woman Mm -hmm. and 
you know, it was just, so she's Cuban American. And she said that after the panel, when we were chatting, she told us that she's working with a costume designer to incorporate Mexican heritage because she understands, you know, coming from the Latina community, how crucial that is. You know, like she's really making sure that she's diving and going all in on the character. You know, she said this, this Liz is relentless. She's a grown up. She's a scientist. Um, and in the original show, you know, what, which was great, it was kind of cornered on mystery and romance. And this one is there. They know secrets. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like a fake answer. And, you know, she just kind of takes the initiative to solve something. She doesn't need someone to save her. Um, Except for when she gets shot. By Nathan Parson. And saved by Nathan Parson. He, like, scream heals her. And I'm really excited about it. (laughs) I can't believe it. The way he was, like, yeah, I know he was scream healing her. And I was like, oh. Okay. Gets in there. I don't know. I watched, because I wrote the, go up purefandom.com. You can learn Mm -hmm. all about our thoughts on the teaser trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, I watched it so many times. And for some reason, I would just, I kept, like, fixating on that part. Like, he just, like, I don't know exactly the mythology they're going to use and, like, how he has to heal her, if it's, like, his essence or his, like, his man menness. But, like, he just, he screams and he's, like, holding her wound and, like, all the lights in the Crashdown Cafe, like, explode outside and it's just, like, this big powerful moment. And, like, I was trying to write it in my article. <laughs> I just kept writing scream healing. I was, like, and it got not dirty. A, that's not a thing, Meg. Like boob touching, scream healing. Like, what's going on? Like, this isn't correct. And but I loved that scene. I think that that was really cool. Was it was nice. so intense. I love it. And I guess they have more intense scenes. They got something that they call an almost kisses. And <gasps> Did you see that in the teaser trailer? Hell almost. yeah! Where the sunset is going back and forth, and there's some sexual healing going on. He's like ready for it. Oh, I'm like the, mm. the pining. And, like, when they first see each other again, she's like, Max. He's like, Liz, because he's cop. And Liz. Liz. <laughs> Liz. I can't do the, the Nathan Parsons. I can't. I can't. I want it in my blood. Everything I have done has been to protect you and Liz. Oh, my gosh. Can we just pause on that, too? Was that not, like, a Dean Winchester yell with, like, a Milo face? I was like, oh, my God. You've just, like, dipped yourself into a vat of madness. And I. I Hold I'm on a minute. There. Did you just bring up my birthday boyfriend on this podcast? I surely did, Liz. I surely did, Mr. Milo. Don't talk about Milo Ventimiglia to me. Don't. No. Do you remember when you guys realized you're – okay, that was an, another convention in Chicago, and you were doing his panel, mm-hmm, and you said mm-hmm. something about his birthday, and you're like – oh, because we were talking about This Is Us before it came out. Yeah, like people have – you know, so many people have the same birthdays, and he said something about his birthday – and, like, and that he never met anyone with his own birthday. And lo and behold, it's fucking our very own Liz Prue. July 8th. Birthday. We're both cancers. And every year we tweet each other and it's beautiful and it's epic. I, I think I facilitate the tweeting more than you guys do because I'm more obsessed with it than you. I'd like you to get on board. But yeah, that does happen every year. I'm like I love that man. And your boyfriend, Milo. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, I love that man. And Eric knows it too. But I told him, I said, cancers can't date cancers. It's not like that. It's like a soul no. thing. That wouldn't work so well. And also like, you know, you can't date him because you're, you're married. And oh, that too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That as well. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, back to Nathan Parsons and Janine Mason, the Latina, beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful, meaning like her soul. Like this woman just oozes just good I just I'm all about it she's just she's, and she's also in that um organization I didn't catch the name I should have written it down but I, I know have seen them talk about it on Twitter so like um so the women in Brooklyn Nine-Nine are involved mm-hmm. and I, I think um I saw something else from um the Jane the Virgin cast they're they're also involved in this it's like big, big organization and it's just really like supporting Latina women in TV and possibly movies. I'm not entirely sure, but she kind of just spoke to the TV aspect. And it's just like this ridiculously awesome, like empowering club. And it's super cool that she has like that side of her that she is bringing to the character. 
and that she gets to incorporate, like you said, with the costume. Um, she's going to be making sure there's Mexican heritage showing all of the time because her character has the un her um, parents are undocumented, and so having just like pulling so much from the Mexican side of her character and having that showcase just on her physicality and then knowing that she's coming in into the show with all you know she's you said she's Cuban but she's got all of these people in her organization that are from all these other places and being able to bring that in and their opinions and getting their opinions and I just I think she's just such an asset as an actress to be involved and knowing that she's already going like full in like you said t talking to the costume designer and things like that if that's something she already is doing pre-taping like I just see it growing from there and I think it's really important and I think she's awesome and this podcast has turned into the Janine Mason fan club I'm fine with it it's because <laughs> once again she's classy she's intelligent and like you said she cares about incorporating the right things into the character because if you don't if you don't pay attention to those things that may seem minuscule um then why would we buy into all these other powerful themes that you have in the show? So it makes sense that not only would, well, it's like it, it is at any organization or any business, you know, it all trickles down from the top. And if you have a showrunner that prioritizes those things, then you're going to cast people that care about that as well. And that's why you could just feel that, I'm just going to say it. I know this sounds really cheesy. I think it's going to be a hit. I'm super pumped about it. You know, it's not, when a show has a foundation that's built on something that resonates with literally every person in the country right now on a very, very emotional level, you know, whether you feel probably as you can pick up, not like we do, um, if you, you can probably sense that we're, we lean toward a little bit towards the liberal side. Um, if you feel on the opposite end of that spectrum, you can still relate to what's going on in the show and maybe it'll provide you with a different perspective. Which and vice I, versa, and vice versa yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that we're kind of running up uh, towards the end of the podcast on time. But we had some other, I think there were some other fun tidbits from the panel. Um, like, uh, well, this wasn't really fun. This was just fucking crazy. Right before filming the pilot, Karina was trying to save her dog from being hit by a car and she got hit on the head instead and was like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go film my pilot. See you later. Um, yeah, that was, um, so Janine Mason's casting, she, Karina was in the hospital and they were having, she had said they were having a hard time finding someone. And she said, if you do not, like, we don't have a Latina actress to play the lead. Like we don't have a show. Nope. And she was like, shut it down. Like we're not doing it then. And well, I don't know if she actually had that power, but I like to think that Karina has all the power. Um, but yeah, so then they got more people in and, and I think, what did she say? She saw like a few minutes of it and she's like, yes, cast her, sign her up fucking right now. I love it. It's great. And once again, it just, it's prioritizing the important things. Mm -hmm. And I could believe doing that while after getting hit by a car. Um, so just to show how all in the showrunner is, she isn't letting anything get in the way of what she wants the show to be. If she's going to make it, she's going to make, to bring back to our first point of the podcast, the show she wants to make mm -hmm. without being, you know, super preachy about her own thing or her own views, but bringing in different perspectives. So everyone has something to learn and everyone has a reason to watch. Right. And Karina had said she wanted this to be a show that got people talking um, smart questions and answers and mm -hmm. kind of facilitating the conversation, which mm -hmm. I know just from our angle, like you and I have talked about this multiple times, you know, pre-podcast and we'll probably talk about it more after just about how relevant it feels and to have a show about aliens, like actual aliens feel like such a, like a hot take on our political environment and the culture in our country right now, it's, it's amazing. And um, Nathan Parsons. And Nathan Parsons. <laughs> well, we'll be podcasting hopefully more frequently. They start filming August 13th. Cameras are rolling in Santa Fe. Um, they said New Mexico is beautiful. It's like its own character itself in the show. 
we will most likely have a podcast guest starring Miss Karina Adley McKenzie herself. Hopefully, yeah. some of the other cast members as well. And in the interim, we are just going to keep you all posted on news. Um, and if there is a little bit of like a lull in news, maybe we'll dive into some more of those controversies around Roswell because that's just super fun and aliens. Or we'll just whisper Nathan Parsons like, over and over if that's your jam. You're so amazing. Nathan Parsons. Nathan Parsons. Alien cowboy. I love it. I love that he's a alien cowboy cop. It's like checking all the boxes. That wears turquoise. Like what? I love it. Bad ass. And so you said New Mexico is like a character. Also, I just wanted to add, I was there for, um, I had a set visit for another show on NBC, Midnight Texas, Mm -hmm. in Albuquerque. And it's like they didn't even need a set. Like that shit was just breathtaking. And they are going to be filming the rest of the show in Santa Fe, like you said. But, oh, man. Yeah, Albuquerque, I was, like, obsessed. And it was, like, the best avocados I ever had. And as Liz <laughs> Oh, my God. Every fucking <gasps> place we went, I was like, can I have avocado? Can I have avocado <laughs> toast? We I just like- got avocados in the Midwest, so <laughs> let us be basic. <laughs> I'm, like, super avocado basic. I live in Wisconsin, people. Like, I don't get the freshest of avocado. So I'm going to soak it up where I can. That's fine. Get it, girl. You'll just see me on the the set of Roswell, New Mexico. Like, oh, isn't that that podcast girl? Like, no, no. She's just here to eat avocado and whisper Nathan Parsons into the wind. You're so amazing. (laughs) Avocados. Yeah. That's that's my thing. I don't think there's anything better to end on than that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, Liz. I do. Yay! Well, make sure you check us out on Twitter at Meg Bonnie Writer and at Liz Prue, P-I-U-G-H, and Pure Fandom, of course, at Pure underscore Fandom, and PureFandom.com for all the latest and greatest news. If you like CW TV shows, we cover pretty much all of them, as well as, you know, all the greatest hits, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, all the new Marvel shows. We got all sorts of stuff. If you're a Sci-Fi Network fan, check out Brad and Court Talk. That is our hit podcast, currently mm-hmm. recapping Winona Earp. Brad and Court are flipping amazing. They're a wonderful podcast. Check it out. And I think that's it, right? We good? Yeah. We are We're great. We are great, Liz. No, you are. No, you rock. Nathan Parsons is. Nathan Parsons. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Ah! Ah! Ah!